All right. Um, if you do not know me, if you haven't met me, I'm Tyler. Um, I am the youth pastor here. And every now and then, I get the opportunity to preach. And I enjoy it a lot. And um, I'm just glad to be here today. Um, before we get started, let me, let me just pray for us. Lord, thank you for this group. Um, thank you for the people that you've gathered here. God, I just pray this morning as we open your word uh, that you would reveal truth to us. Uh, you give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Lord, that you would uh, use this morning in powerful ways. Lord, we give all this to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, gosh, over a year ago now, this, I actually remember the exact date, May 15th, 2018, I remember this day very vividly, because um, the next day my, my life changed a lot, um, but I remember May 15th, 2018, uh, I, I did something I do, or I used to do a lot which was uh, I used to get in the pool at like the end of the day almost every day and just kind of float around and uh, relax. And this particular night, um, I, I even had a margarita in the pool. And I was just looking at, up at the stars and I thought, man, this is awesome. This is incredible. Um, and I stayed up kind of late and I got in bed at about midnight and at about 2 a.m., Sarah woke me up um, and she said, I'm, I think I'm having contractions. I was like, well, it's, you're like 36 weeks pregnant, so probably not. And I went back to bed, and then like 45 minutes later, she woke me up again, said, I think I'm having contractions, like I'm pretty sure about it. And I, so we called the doctor. The doctor told her probably not. Um, and then another hour later, she's like, no, I'm definitely having contractions. Um, and so we, we packed up. It was kind of like nothing like you see in the movies for us. We kind of like took our time, packed up, got everything together. We got in the car. We stopped by Brugger's on the way to the hospital and picked up some breakfast. Uh, I was pretty hungry. I knew <laughs> we had a long day ahead of us. And so um, we got to the hospital, and uh, we started off in the triage room, and we got there, and they they checked Sarah, and they were like, oh, yeah, you're having this baby. Um, we'll get you into a room. And then they moved us into another room, which is like the birthing room. You go from room to room to, like, a lot of different rooms. Um, but you're in this birthing room, and uh, things are progressing, and, um, you know, we, the doctor doesn't come until, like, I mean, like, right before. It's, it was pretty wild. I, I think that's how it always is. But... Um, you know, we have this awesome nurse. We have this pretty good experience, I feel like. Um, I got to take a nap during it. And, and at like four, maybe like 3 p.m., things started to really pick up. Um, and then at about 4 p.m., they were like, we should probably call the doctor in. And the doctor got there at about 4.45. And I remember, um, like, we'd been waiting all day. And the doctor comes in, she checks, and she goes, okay, I think it's time to start pushing. And I, it kind of caught me off guard, because I thought, like, you would give us, like, a heads up. Like, okay, in 20 minutes, that, that's when it's going to start. But it was like, 
it was like, okay, with the next contraction, and then all of a sudden it was game time, it was go time. And like, you go from zero to 100 really quick, uh, at least as a guy, the girl goes from like 95 to 100 really quick. Um, but all of a sudden it was game time, and uh, you know, beautiful baby, our baby Judah is in the back over there. Um, he comes out, I cut the cord, got it on the second try, <laughs> slipped off on the first one. It was just common, they told me, at least. But um, there's this moment where they take the baby and they put it on Sarah's chest. And like, he, I'm looking into his eyes, and I'm not a, a super emotional guy. Um, I, sure, I credit Toy Story 3, but that, that was like a pretty sad movie. <laughs> but really, I don't cry a lot. But I, I'm looking at this baby, and like, I'm starting to become just like, this weepy, weak man that just can't hold it together. Um, and it, it's kind of surreal. And there's this moment where I, I realize, man, everything is going to change for us. And I kind of knew beforehand, OK, I'm having a baby. Things are going to change. My life is going to look different. And if you've had kids, you know like, like everything changes. Like th things are so different than they were before that moment. I mean, like, my, the things I like to do are different. Um, like, how I wake up in the morning is different. How I go to bed at night is different. I mean, things I literally never thought I would be doing. Like, we put Judah down. This is probably a weird thing. Like a weird first kid thing. But we put Judah down at night. And then sometimes we'll just go sit on the couch and like scroll through pictures of him <laughs> together. I literally never would have thought, like, that's going to be something I do when I have a kid. Um, you know, I thought generally I'd be, like, things would be similar to how they were, maybe a little different, you know. I've got this other thing to feed. But it, it was, like, completely life-changing. I mean, it, it seems like n nothing is the same, and, and I love it. Like, it's changed my life for the better, for sure. I sleep a lot less, but... Other, other than that, like, it's been like one of the best years of my life. Um, and, and I tell you this story because there's no way, no way you can have your first kid and have your life be the same afterwards. Like, it just doesn't work like that. You, your whole life changes. And for people who don't have kids, you, you get it. You say, like, oh, yeah, I see that your life changes. But it's like a, it's like a complete just transformation. Of, like, everything looks different to me now. Um, and, and we've been talking. We've been going through this series um, called Into the Wild. And we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about different, like, things about the Holy Spirit and who he is and what he does. Um, and this week... What I want to talk about is transformation. This idea that there's, there's no way that the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and our lives are the same as before. It, it completely changes us. It completely transforms us. It, and it changes our life. Um, our main verse we're going to be reading from today is Galatians 5. Um, so you can open up to that. Uh, but before we get started in, in that. Uh, there's a critically acclaimed movie that came out in 2006. Uh, it was called Nacho Libre. 
And it, <laughs> it was, uh, it's not what you would call highbrow humor. Um, it's pretty, you know, silly, stupid movie. But I liked it a lot. Uh, I was also like 17 when it came out. So um, there's this scene in the movie. Uh, Nacho Libre. Nacho is, he's a monk. It's Jack Black. He plays Nacho Libre. He's a monk who wants to become a luchador. He wants to become this Mexican wrestler. And that's his goal. And the problem is, is that he's fat and He's weak, and he's bad at wrestling. And so you would think, like, that's a pretty big problem, and it is for him. Uh, and, and then he hears about this legend. And, and in the movie, he hears that if you drink the yolk of the eagle egg, then you will have power of the eagle. And so there's this scene where he climbs to the top of this cliff, and he grabs, he steals an eagle egg. It's probably not even what an eagle egg looks like. And he just starts dumping the egg yolk into his mouth. It's pretty disgusting. Uh, that's him. Then he falls off the cliff into the water. Uh, it's a funny scene. But then it cuts to the next scene. And he's standing in, in the wrestling rink. And you think, like, OK, this is where everything changes in the movie. This is where like, he's good at wrestling now. And almost this montage begins to play out. And the exact opposite happens. He just gets beaten up over and over and over. And he realizes that the eagle egg was a dud. Like, it just it didn't work. And I think that there's a part of us in the church, in, in, in each of us, maybe, that is worried that the Holy Spirit might be a dud. Like, what if it doesn't work for me? What, 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 if I, what if I don't, what if I am not transformed by the Holy Spirit? What if, thing, what if I don't even have the Holy, how does it work? What if it's a dud in my life? I want to assure you that there's no way that's going to happen. Uh, and the Bible is really clear about that. Um, and that's kind of the first point that we're going to talk about as we talk about this, the transformation of, that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. But the first point that we're going to talk about is that the Holy Spirit lives in us and transforms us, and there's no exceptions to it. There's not some Christians who have the Holy Spirit and some who don't. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So, he's pretty clear here. Paul says, look, th there's no such thing as being a Christian without the Holy Spirit. If, if you follow Jesus, if you've given your life to him, the Holy Spirit comes into you, and it, and it changes you. It changes the way we live. The, the power of God is in us, and so our lives ought to look a lot different than the lives of, of the people around us. The, if, if God is living inside of us, that should, that should mean something. That should look like something. Um, in John, uh, before Jesus goes back to heaven, he's talking to his disciples, and he, and he talks about how he's leaving, and they're upset about it. They're sad about it. But he says, look, I'm going, but this is good for you because I'm sending another. There's someone else coming. I'm sending the Holy Spirit, 
and he's going to live inside of you, and it's going to be better for you. It's, it's, he, he literally says, it's going to be better for you that I go and he comes and lives in you than I stay here. Like, it's, it is better for us that we have the Holy Spirit than for me to be standing here with my armor on Jesus, like, which sounds crazy, right? Like, if we could have Jesus in the flesh right here, right now, you'd be like, yeah, get Tyler off the stage, and let's, like, this is going to be incredible. And it would be. But even Jesus himself says it's better for us to have the Holy Spirit than to have him in the flesh. And so um, that there's no way that if we have the Holy Spirit in us that we're not going to be transformed. God's very clear about it in the Bible. But I think the problem is, is that sometimes we misunderstand how this works. Um, and so we're going to open up to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 16, and we're going to end up all the way through verse 25, but we're just going to start with verse 16. It says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It starts off and it says, walk by the Spirit. There's this command, and it's in the present tense. It's as if he's saying, continue walking. Keep, keep doing the thing. You're, keep walking in the Spirit. There's this command that Paul gives to the Galatians that they ought to walk in the Spirit. And here's the question. Is walking something that just simply happens to us, or is it something that we participate in? When we walk, we're putting our right foot in front of our left foot, and, and then our right, you know, it's back. And forth. There's, this, there's this cadence to it. And we participate in it. It just, it doesn't simply happen to us. We're not passive. That's the second point um, that, that I want to make, is that transformation is active. We're, we're active participants in this transformation that happens in us. We're not simply passive passengers that are, are waiting to be transformed. Um, I think there's a lot, of, a lot of students I've had uh, I've been at you know, tons and tons of camps over the years with a bunch of different students. And um, you know, I've, I've had the pleasure of, of kids who've given their life to Jesus at these camps. And I think something that tends to be a common theme is that they, they'll give their life to Jesus. And it's you know, this emotional, this big thing. And it's incredible. And then we get back from camp. I usually have this conversation with them once we get back, and the, the first thing I usually kind of hear from them is that they're surprised. They're surprised that things are still the same. They're surprised that they're going back to the same situation they were in before. They're surprised that you know, they're pretty similar to the way they were, and they're surprised that, man, I, I just thought everything would be fixed. You know? I thought this would be, make things easier for me. And the truth is, most of the time, these kids come back, and, the, and they're just shocked that, whoa, everything's just not automatically fixed, and everything's not automatically changed. And then we start to have this conversation about, well, it, it takes effort. Yeah, there's some effort put in by you. There's, it's, it's not just God fixing me and sanctifying me without me walking into it. Um, I, I think about it like this. About five months ago, 
maybe six months ago, that there's a gym that opened up by my house, EOS Fitness, and I, um, I joined that gym uh, about five months ago I joined. And it was cheap, it was a good deal. And um, the crazy thing is, I have not gotten any more fit than I was before. I'm no stronger, I'm in no better shape than I was before. Sarah would be like, well, you've only gone once. But I have the gym membership. So well, why am I not getting any, why, why is there no change? Well, I'm not using the gym membership. There's no, I'm not participating in the gym membership. Just because I'm a card-carrying member of EOS Fitness doesn't mean that I'm getting stronger and I'm going to become this really good-looking, you know, strong guy. Um, if we don't participate with the Spirit in this transformation, it's, and then what tends to happen is people start blaming God, like, oh, God didn't make all this stuff go away that I wanted him to. Well, you never, we never went to the gym. What did we think? Like, we were just going to magically lose the weight. Um, I love that he says here, he says, if we walk by the Spirit, what's going to happen? We're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. It's almost like he's saying these two things are, are mutually exclusive. Like you cannot be walking by the Spirit and gratifying the desires of the flesh. I think of, with this, I think of uh, Planet Fitness. There's, this, uh, there's like a whole BuzzFeed article actually about it. About, it's like called Only at Planet Fitness. And there's the, uh, I don't want to rip on Planet Fitness. If you guys go to Planet Fitness, it's good. It's great. But there is this thing at Planet Fitness where people will take kind of ridiculous photos. Uh, this is a Planet Fitness that has free bagels, cream cheese, uh, dairy. Here's a Planet Fitness on their pizza day. They have free pizza days. Um, here's a, a machine at Planet Fitness with candy on it. Um, here's a cigarette on the floor of the gym at Planet, someone was smoking and working out. Uh, it's probably not allowed there, but uh, the, you know, I, I went through. There was a lot of funny pictures. I chose not to put any of actual people because I felt like that would be disrespectful. But you know, there's people. There's pictures of people literally on the treadmill, like eating pizza. And the the thing that's so ridiculous uh, about this is we don't work out and eat pizza at the same time. Like that's that seems silly, right? Like. It doesn't even seem appetizing to me to, to get on a treadmill and like have an ice cream cone at the same time. If you saw that, you'd be like, what is going on? That does not make sense. It, you're not working out and eating candy and, and ice cream at the same time. In the same way, when we are walking in the spirit, we don't also at the same time gratify the desires of the flesh. It just doesn't work like that. They're, they're, they just don't work together. They're, they're two separate things. And so um, the idea is that when we are gratifying the desires of the flesh, when we are living in sin, what's happening is we're not walking in the Spirit. He continues uh, in verse 17. He says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Again, he's saying, look, you can't, you can't be doing both things. They're against each other. They don't make sense together. 
You can't be walking in the spirit and gratifying the desires of the flesh at the same time. And I think there's an important distinction to make here. It says, but you are led by the spirit. Led by the spirit. You know, every time the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit and uses a personal pronoun, the Bible says he. Bible, I think th this is pretty common. I might have already done it. But it's pretty common when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we, we say it. And we give it this it terminology. And the, the thing is, the Holy Spirit is not an it. It's a he. And I know that like, seems like a little thing. But when, the, when we make the Holy Spirit an it, he becomes this power that we wield instead of this person that we follow. And I think what we tend to do is when we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about, oh, I can use the Holy Spirit to, to, to do the things I want to do. You know, he's going to help me do the things I want to do. And I can, um, you know, I'll be more powerful and I'll be a better speaker and I'll, you know, it's going to be good for me. But, but when, it be, when it becomes he, the Holy Spirit is he, so suddenly we're following someone. We're not, we're not using someone. It doesn't become about us anymore. It becomes about, more about God. So you, you keep walking with him. You place yourself under the leadership of him. You, you're following the lead of the Holy Spirit, not harnessing him like, like some Star Wars force. He continues, verse 19, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I love the way that uh, the message puts this. So I'm going to read that. It says, it's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfying wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or to be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habits of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community, and I could go on. I like this, and I could go on at the end, because Paul says, and things like these. Because it's not even an exhaustive list. This is just kind of like, here's some things. These are works of the flesh. And he finishes with this kind of intense thing. He says, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Yikes. So is he saying, look, if you, if you do anything on this list, you're not going to heaven? Absolutely not. I'll make that clear. What he is saying, if, the, if this kind of thing is the pattern of your life, then maybe we have something to worry about. If, if, if our lives look like what he just described, and, and they, they never are changing, they're never transforming, 
then we need to take a good hard look at if we're actually following Jesus because followers of Jesus ought to look like Jesus, right? There's no way we could be followers of Jesus and have our lives look like that and never change and never grow from that place. It'd be like if I said I was gluten-free, but I also eat donuts and bread, and you'd be like, well, well you're not gluten-free then. Well, just because just we have the name doesn't mean that much. There's this life that is lived. He continues in verse 22 and says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. So he's got this first list of, of works of the flesh into the second list of fruits of the Spirit, and they're kind of contradicting one another. And I don't think anyone in here, maybe, I don't think anyone in the world reads these lists and says, I would rather have my life look like the first list. Everyone in here, everyone wants these to be characteristics of their lives. We want to be known as loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and gentle and self like, those, those are good things. We get that. And this is what the Holy Spirit offers us. This is what the Holy Spirit is transforming us to be more and more like. And I want to point something out here. He starts with works of the Holy Spirit, and then he says, no, sorry, works of the flesh, and then he says fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's two reasons that he does this. The first reason is this. Fruit grows over time. And, and botanical growth, it, it's oftentimes very slow, right? And I think of uh, uh, when I was a kid, we had like a wall at my house where we used to measure ourselves. And, you know, every so often we would go up and we would measure ourselves and we would see like, oh, the line is higher than it was before. But imagine if you were to go and measure yourself every day at that wall. You'd just be drawing the, same, the line in the same place over and over and over. Like, you don't look in the mirror and watch yourself grow, right? It's only after six months that you go back and you, and you see, like, oh, I'm, like, half an inch taller than I was before. And you go back in a year and go, whoa, I'm, like, three inches taller than I was before. And it's not, we're not seeing it happen in, like, real time, but it's happening. There's, there's also seasons of growth, right? Like, in the spring, sometimes growth happens a lot faster than in the winter. And I think this is like our lives. We, we grow, and, and you know, sometimes people are freed from things right away. And I think those are awesome testimonies, and that's awesome. But I think for a lot of us, growth happens slowly over a long period of, over a lifetime. And it's, it's this step-by-step walking, the slow moving towards um, the things of God. You, you don't feel growth, but you see it when it's tested. And I think in times in our lives when we're tested, when things are hard, is, is when it's revealed that, oh, actually, I am growing. I, I actually am reacting differently than I would have five years ago. I'm reacting differently than I would have before I know, knew Jesus. You know, it's, it's not that we see it every day, but, but when things get hard, when we're tested, then we begin to see the growth that happens in us. And, and the second thing 
I think, of why he compares works of the flesh with fruit of the spirit is this. Works are something I do, right? If I do these works, you know, it's these things I'm doing, but I don't do fruit, right? I, I can water the ground, but the fruit grows. So I think he, he's making the contradiction here because he's saying, you don't transform yourselves. And I know this seems like, wait, didn't you just say we have to be active and we have to be participants in it? And yes, yes, we do. But we're not doing it on our own. Um, I've got a couple of lamps, actually, here. Um, these are old lamps that we used to use on stage. They're very bright, so we don't use them anymore. Um, but I want you to imagine for a second. Look, here's this extension cord. And I take all the lamps, and I think, OK, I need, I need to turn all these lamps on. And so in order to do that, I'm going to plug in all the lamps into the extension cord. Oh, some of these cords are shorter than I thought. And I plug all four lamps in, and I take the extension cord, and I say, oh, good. There's still another plug. I'll just plug this into this. Why? Right? No, I've seen things on like the internet where they trick you and make you think that's possible. But obviously, this is not doing anything. You can't plug the extension cord into itself. It doesn't provide the power. It's, it's simply the vessel that lets the power out. See, in order to get these lights to light up, I need to find the plug in the wall and plug it in. It's very bright, see? <laughs> you know, doing this, though, I think this, this is what some of us do in our lives is we, we think, okay, if I, if I work hard enough, if I pull myself up by the bootstraps and I just focus and I go as hard as I can to try not to do these things that I don't want to do and I... And I, you know, if I check all the boxes and do all the things, that, and, and we begin to lose sight that it's not us transforming us. It's God transforming us. We participate in it, but we're not the ones doing it. Earlier in Galatians, Paul kind of addresses this very thing. In uh, chapter 3, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He asked this question. He says, look, when you were saved, was it because you did A, B, C, D, and E? Or was it because Jesus died for you? And he's, they're all like, well, it's because Jesus died for you. And he says, right. And now do you think that the life is about you doing A, B, C, D, E? No, he says, look, it's, it's, it's still about God. It's still about the spirit working within you. It's not your own power that's sanctifying you. It's not your own power that, that's transforming you. It's God's power. And instead of trying so hard, we need to, to work on relying a little more on God. It's as if we start the car, we th okay, it's God that saves us, it's, it's his work on the cross that saves us, I don't, I, I, you know, it's not my works, 
But then we get out and we start pushing it, thinking, okay, but in order to get this car moving down the road, I'm the one pushing. I'm the one making it happen. Like, we forget where the real power is sometimes. God's not merely interested in the behavior modification of us. He, he wants a spiritual transformation. He doesn't want symptom management. He wants like, eradication of the disease in total. And that doesn't happen from this outside-in effort of, I've, I can do it myself, and I just got to try harder. It happens from the inside-out spirit transforming us and us joining in with him. So we rely on the spirit. This is the last part. And daily keep in step. He continues on, verse 25. Galatians 5, verse 25, he says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. This is kind of um, taking us back to that walking analogy from before. But, but he says in a little different way. He says we got to keep in step with the Spirit. And when I think of keeping in step with someone, I think of this continual thing that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to continue to do every day. It's not something I do once and then it, it's, it's this walking, putting the left foot in front of the right foot. I need to keep in step. And what does it look like to keep in step with the Spirit? I think that's, that's the, the tough part. What does it look like to keep in step with the Spirit? And I don't think, I'm, I'm not going to give you like a four-step guide on, on how to keep in step with the Spirit. Um, you know, I could, I could say like worship more, pray more, read the Bible more, serve more. But like we already know those things. If you've been coming to church any amount of time, you know that those are good things we, we should be doing. But, but this is not like a self-help, check-all-the-boxes type thing. Keeping in step, step with the Spirit, it's like being in a relationship. With my wife, I don't just check a bunch of boxes and accomplish marriage at the end of the day. Right? I can't say, okay, if I do the dishes, uh, do the yard and make the bed, then I'm a husband. That's not, th there's a relationship at work. Yeah, those are good things for me to do. Like the, she would probably appreciate those things, but that's, that's not how you, a successful marriage works. We don't, we don't just check boxes. Um, so instead of, of uh, maybe like a four-step guide on how to, to keep in step with the Spirit, I just want to maybe point us to a few things that might be potential obstacles to walking with God, to, to this life of keeping in step with the Spirit. First, I think our lives are too loud. I think with social media and TV and emails and video games, we're literally the most entertained people in all of human history. We spend, this is like real stats, five and a half hours a day on our phone on average. We check our phones every 10 minutes on average. 70% of us, this also includes me, the first thing we do in the morning when we wake up is look at our phone, like before we even speak to our spouse or go to the bathroom, like the very first thing we do, check our phone. And right now, I know you, you can probably think of like a couple people that you're like, well, they do it worse than me. <laughs> like my spouse, they're on their phone all the time. Sure, I'm on it a little bit, but you know, we've done the whole screen time, like who does more? Are you? I guess you have a problem, but I don't, right? But I, I think our lives are, la like, 
that, those are some crazy numbers. And, and Jesus, who didn't have social media, who didn't have TV, who didn't have maybe these worldly distractions that we have now, he still had a pretty loud life, though. There was still a lot going on. He, he took time away to be with God. He took time to, to be in silence with God. There's, there's continual times throughout the Bible where he, has to, he takes you know, time for himself and God. I think, do we even do that? that you know, when was the last time I took like a day of solitude just to be with God? I don't know if I've literally ever done that, and that's cr- crazy to me. Because our lives are so loud that sometimes I think we're missing what the Spirit is trying to do. Second, I think maybe we're too comfortable. I think a good question to ask was, when was the last time I, I took a risk to follow Jesus? Um, when was the last time I made myself vulnerable in following Jesus? You know, like Brene Brown's like the big thing right now. And she talks about vulnerability, and it's really good. I think it's good she's making people aware of that in order to have a connection with another person, you have to be able to be vulnerable with them. You have to put yourself in a position where you don't have all the control, where you could get hurt, where uh, you can't control the outcome of what's going to happen. That's like what vulnerability is. And I think the Christian life is, is a life of being vulnerable to God, on trusting him in ways where if, if God doesn't come through, it, it's going to hurt. Like so many of us live such safe lives, and I, I gotta say, me included, that if God doesn't come through, it, well, I, I've still kind of got, got it taken care of. When do we do things in such a way where we're being vulnerable to God? Finally, the, the last thing that might be a potential obstacle is this. I think we forget that we're on a mission. And after my freshman year of college, I went on this mission trip to Guatemala. We were there for about six weeks. I remember waking up differently in the morning than I do now in my everyday life. I remember waking up in the morning and knowing, like, okay, I have a purpose today, and I have this, this goal set before me of what we're doing today. And I would, every morning, I would sit with the Bible, and I would pray, because I felt like, okay, if I don't do this, I'm, I'm going to be depleted. Like, I'm not going to have what it takes to get through the day. And, I, and like, every day I woke up with this mindset of, okay, I'm on a mission trip. I think we, in the American church, we don't often wake up thinking, I'm on a mission. I think we wake up thinking of all the things that we have to get done and how tired we are and and all these other things. And we can go through a whole day without thinking of God once. And the point of having the Holy Spirit is that he enables us, he empowers us to accomplish this mission. And, and sometimes I feel like, and do, do I live a life where I even need the Holy Spirit? Or is it, is it so, is it just not on mission so much that, that it wouldn't matter either way? So I, want, I want to see God transform me, and, and I want to see God transform you guys. And I think it takes us pushing outside of our comfort zones. It takes us keeping in step with him.
You know, everything we do on a Sunday, from putting donuts out and coffee and all these little things, like, you know, I don't honestly care if there's no snacks or there's no coffee. What, what I hope really happens on a Sunday morning is that we're transformed by God, like that, he, that he's moving us more and more into who he is, into his image, that we begin to more and more look like Jesus. I want us to understand that the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. And, and that, that power should make life completely different. As uh, the band comes back up to finish this out, we're going to go to communion. And I think when we go to communion, we're remembering. What we do is we remember and we proclaim. When, when Jesus, um, on the night he was betrayed, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. And, and then when he poured out the, the wine, or the juice, he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And, and we're remembering what Jesus did for us on the cross, what he bought for us on the cross. But I think sometimes we miss that we're also, the Holy Spirit is within us. And that because Jesus did this on the cross, that we get to have the power that, that raised him from the dead three days later living in us. And, and that that power changes our lives and that we get to proclaim who Jesus is in a way that we never could before. So as we go to the table this morning, I just pray that you would remember and that you would be stirred by the Holy Spirit to proclaim, that you would be stirred by the Holy Spirit to, to keep in step and, and to walk with him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, for filling us with him, for giving us someone to follow, someone to transform us. God, I pray that we would keep in step with him, that we would walk in the Holy Spirit, that we would live powerful lives, that we wouldn't be powerless like we were before we knew you. God, I pray that you would transform us, that you would make us more and more and more into the picture of, of, of who you are, of this goodness, this grace, this love. God, I pray that you would use these people, that you would fill them up today with your Holy Spirit, that they would sense you, and that when, when, as we take communion, that we would have communion with you in a real meaningful way. I love you. In your name we pray.